The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. We're going to continue. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 8. I'm going to read for us um, from our uh, for verses 1 to 21, and then we're going to dig into this together. So this is just after uh, the, scene, the scene in the Gospel of Jesus, or the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus is um, having a dinner, effectively, with uh, the Pharisee, and the woman comes in and cleans his feet. Soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, and also some women who had, heal, who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmaries, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd had gathered, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path, and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these, as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, To you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The one comes along the path are those, I'm sorry, the ones along the path are those who have heard Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, uh, when they heard the word, received it with joy. But these have no root, and they believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And the fruit does not mature. As for those in good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast with an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for the one who hears, more will be given, and the one who hears, the one who has not, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, and they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he and he was told, "Your mother and your brothers stand outside, desiring to see you." But he answered them, "My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it." God, as we hear your word, 
I pray that we would receive it with gladness this morning and that our hearts would be softened to produce fruit for you and that we would be like Jesus and love him and desire to be near him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I want to ask, as we get going, uh, to kind of uh, understand this passage, what are books or movies that you guys love to revisit, like rewatch over and over again? And I don't mean like like last night and when I couldn't sleep, I put uh, Winter Soldier, Captain America Winter Soldier on, which is quite honestly probably like top five favorite movies. That's not a movie that I rewatch because I learn more when I rewatch it. <laughs> I, I rewatch it because it's just a really good movie. When I say rewatch and re or reread, what are things that you guys watch and reread and you find become deeper or more magical or have more meaning as you rewatch? Anything for you guys? I just... Star Wars? All right. It has more me. It, it, it gains meaning as you watch it later in life. Absolutely. Any? I'm sorry. Seven pounds. Anybody? Yes. Veggie tales, of course. Yes. Anybody else? What? Night. It's a book. Okay. I'll take your word for that. The Equalizer. Okay. All right. So for me, I know there's. Uh, uh, a movie that I've gotten into the last maybe five, ten years. Have, has anybody recognized the, the title Spirited Away? It's an anime. Okay, first of all, uh, if you're an adult, do not disregard it. That movie for real, like, I don't know why. It's one of those things, like, every time I watch it, I find myself not only crying at different points, but I can't not watch it and feel like my life has been changed. And some, it's, it's a weird, profound way. It's just an anime about this little girl who gets, you know, it, but... Um, my Neighbor Toro, again, another one of these animes that, like, I don't know what it is. It's like a super simple movie, and every time I feel like my life is deepened when I watch it. I don't know what to say about it. But all that to say, we can keep talking about that. That's what, just to push back on Dave's, like, his group is better. That's what we talk about in our groups, is what your favorite movies are. So I'm just saying... Um, that kind of, that, that range of things that, that, that change and they mature and they help you deepen your heart and your experience of life, that is kind of what's going on when we're reading this parable, the story of Jesus and the seeds, right? His point in this is up to this point, he has burst onto the scene as God's Messiah to reclaim God's kingdom and renew his people. He, in Luke 6, has taught the word of God of what it means to be his disciple and follow him. In chapter 7, we saw illustrations or little stories that filled that out of what it meant to, be, to, to live, those, uh, live out the law of God, to follow Jesus in ways that didn't, uh, we didn't expect. And then this last, cha- this last little section we saw here in the heart of it is a response to Jesus himself for the forgiveness of sins at the heart of who he is. And here again, now we run into parables. Now, this is kind of the first major parable that we run into in the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to uncover that in a little bit, what that means. But what we're seeing here is an invitation to continue to cycle through the words of Jesus 
to continue to dwell and stew in and revisit like we do with any of these movies, whether it's The Equalizer or Spirited Away or something like that, something that we revisit that deepens us or that it gets deeper with every revisit, that's what we're being called to with this parable. So here's what the main point is. Disciples grow by depending on Jesus' word in every phase of life. Now, let me just kind of tell you where we're going in terms of the, the, the gravitational force of this, par- this section. Verse 18, take care how you hear, for, the, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. That is the center of where this whole parable is going. Take care how you hear. It's not just that you hear. Everybody in this room, you all have ears, I assume. And we're all hearing what's going on right now. The parable of what Jesus is going after here is the type of hearing. That's the, that, it's the quality. It's the way we hear. It's, it's not merely just kind of like a dog tilting its head, kind of like, huh? It's listening in a certain way where you receive and revisit and are renewed by the words of Jesus. So here's how we're going to break this up. I, I feel like really the way to pr- approach this is to say we're going to talk about what the, first, uh, what the four soils are because that's kind of like the main, uh, those are the things that grab our attention. We're going to just talk about what those are. And then we're going to revisit the fourth one, the good soil. And then we're going to end by an assurance in the passage that Jesus is with us. That's kind of the roadmap ahead. So main point, disciples grow by depending on Jesus' word in every phase of life. Here we're going to drop into verse 4 to 15, and we're going to talk about the four hearts that receive Jesus' word. All right? I'm going to read this all the way through, and then we're going to come back and we'll kind of map these four out. And when a great crowd was gathered, was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell on the path that was, tra- that was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked it with it and choked it, and some fell on good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now he explains it. And when the disciples asked him what was the, what, um, asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. So there's something going on in this parable that reveals, that uncovers the secrets of the kingdom of God. But to others, they are in parables. So that seeing, they may, they may not see, and hearing, they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The word comes and takes away the word from their... I'm sorry. The one comes along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the one on the rock are those who hear the word, receive it with joy, and those who and they have no root, uh, and having no root, they believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. And for what fell, and as for what fell among the thorns, there are those who hear, but as they go on their way, 
They are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and the fruit does not mature. And as for what is, uh, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hear the word, hold it fast with an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. So, each soil is going to produce something different. At least that's what we seem to think when we look at this. The image is um, the sower throwing the seed on the ground. I'm not sure if any of you have a yard. You know, everybody in the city, some people do, some people don't. Uh, I've been in the process of reseeding my yard, which seems to be kind of like my annual um, springtime torture, where it's, you know, it, I go out, I rake up all the old grass, I throw the seed on the ground. And just like the story, the story starts with there is care for where the seed is thrown. Like he's not just throwing it anywhere. He's, it's not just like throwing it on the path. Well, I know what's going to happen here. There's a care in the way that the sower is throwing the word out because even, on this, even in the path, anybody who's done agriculture, you're kind of like, well, the, the, some seed grows anywhere and it's, he's not throwing it um, to the cattle. He's throwing it where it could grow. So this isn't just kind of like, well, I know what's going to happen here. So let's see. With the, um, let me put up the next slide. There we go. The path, the word with the, with the parable and then the, the follow-up, the word goes, um, gets no root and is quickly taken away by demonic powers. Right? That, that's fairly obvious in the way Jesus explains this. Again, the seed goes in. The soil uh, cultivates it, but in, this par- but in this soil, it's taken away before it has any chance to root. The rocks, again, the word starts to grow. It starts to, um, I don't know, if any, you know when you have weeds, uh, they are very superficial, little tiny root, very, a little bit of some growth. Trials come, and they choke out any of the fruit from coming. Thorns, you get a sense of there's a little bit deeper maturity comes in, cares and trials of life come in and choke the, wheat, uh, the growth from happening. And the good soil, the word grows and yields a hundredfold fruit. It's interesting to me that in this parable, each of the soils has trials. Right? You'll, you'll notice that the, even the good soil, verse four, uh, the, the fourth one, the good soil down in verse 15, it says that it bears fruit with patience. Patience is required, um, or patience is required when there's difficulty. And each one of these sections, each one of these soils has difficulty in it, right? The fundamental characteristic is that the, the seed, the Word of God, will produce fruit. It is just a matter of what type of soil will cultivate that fruit. Notice as well that in the midst of these four different types of soils and their explanation of the parable, um, when I read this initially, my thinking is uh, Jesus gives this parable out in public and then he goes off to a secret room with his friends and explains what this means. But you'll notice from verse 8 to 9, he tells the parable, he who has ears let him hear. And then his disciples ask him a question, almost like we do with Q&A. There's no change of context. And then down in verse 19, then his mothers came to him, but the crowd could, they could not reach him because of the crowd. 
there's no change of venue here. So when Jesus is explaining the secrets of the kingdom of heaven and what these four soils mean, he's not doing it in a kind of a private Bible study. He's doing it in a form just like this, where he's saying to people, your ears will either work for you to be the good soil or your ears will work against you to be like the other soils. So it is a context very much like this where he's telling people to their face, you can either have your ears work with you to follow me and to be saved and to bear fruit for God, or you can work against your ears, effectively have your ears work, but not do any of the internal work that they are supposed to do, right? Our ears exist in our head so that things come into our brain. (laughs) Effectively, he's saying you're you're short-circuiting that process. Okay, let me explain a little bit about what the parable means, and then we're going to kind of drop into some of this. Am I, am I tracking? I, I, again, I'm only asking because my head feels like I'm, I'm Carolyn's thumbs up because I feel like the I feel like my head is like a hundred feet off the ground right now. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. I appreciate the validation that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the, the word, this is the first time, I think, in the Gospel of Luke where parable comes up. And parable actually is a word that comes from the Greek language, para, bale, and it means alongside, something that's alongside and thrown. So para is right, a paralegal, somebody who works alongside the lawyer. And bale is to throw, kind of not, it's not where the word ball comes from, but it's the same, you know, you throw a ball. So it's something alongside. A parable, effectively what that word means is that a parable is something that's put alongside something that's important so that you see the thing that's important, right? Think about like, um, if you ever go to a museum or you ever watch documentaries about artwork, certainly like the main act in a museum is the painting, the sculpture, whatever. But the frame that is chosen for the artwork or the context of how the sculpture is set up, that's the outside stuff that helps you see the main thing, right? So don't get distracted by the outside stuff, but it's still there to help you see. So that's what a parable is here for. The parable is here so that you see and experience the main thing that Jesus is getting after. So the parable is not so much to distract you but it's to direct you. So that's kind of what we're looking at here. The main thing here that Jesus is driving at is verse 15, right? That we bear fruit with patience and that we hear in a certain way. All right, so with that in mind for what what Jesus is doing with this this parable, I want to drop into the the final part of this parable because I think that's where the the main oomph, so to speak, of this parable comes out. So we're going to go on uh, verse 15 to 18. The good heart, the good heart that bears fruit. As for the good soil, Jesus says, they are those who hear the word, hold it fast with an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. He goes on to say, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar, or puts it under a bed, or puts it on, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, 
nor will anything secret, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Again, here we have the four, I mean, I want to revisit the four soils to kind of fill out what Jesus is going after here. The first soil is those who hear the word of God and disregard it. They're the ones who just out of hand say, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I don't have anything to do with, he doesn't have anything to do with me right now. I hear what he's after, not interested. That is, in effect, the demonic powers influencing us to reject Jesus. Um, the second, those who, with, with trials in life, they hear the word of Jesus. This has value to me, of some value. But then when things get hard and push comes to shove, okay, I'm going to figure this out on my own. The third are those who, the thorns, with, um, who hear Jesus and his word and say, I want what he has I'm going to follow Jesus. And it's interesting that he says there, as they go on their way, those who in the course of life eventually think, you know what? This is not only push comes to shove hard, but I think I can manage this on my own. The cares, the pleasures of life, they choke out the word of God. And then you have those who value the word for what it is, and Jesus says that they hold fast to it. I want to ask, what is the Word of God here? Not in general. I know we have our Bibles. What does he mean? He says, verse 11, the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. And it's aiming at fruit. Now, when I hear this, if you've been in a church for, I don't know, a year, you're going to think, I know what the word, the, Bible, the, the word is. The word of God is the Bible. So he's talking about the Bible in general. And I know what the fruits are. The fruit are, the, are Galatians 6. I've read Galatians 6 or Galatians 5. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. I know, I know what it is. So you read your Bibles and you get the fruit. That's what he's talking about. Now, I just want to push on that and say that may be true in a general sense. But Luke has a specific agenda here. I've been saying for the last few weeks, and I'm going to continue to say, the sermon in Luke 6 is the basis for what Jesus is calling us to in the Luke, Gospel of Luke for what it means to be a disciple. Now, that's why we have other Gospel accounts, because there's more than just that. But when Luke talks about this, he is saying, I want to stay on program, and the program is for you to get Luke 6, Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. I want to remind you what Luke 6 says, and I think you'll see the connections here. Luke 6, when Jesus talks about discipleship, he actually starts in Luke 3 by correcting the religious people of the day and say, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. So even when he starts out his preaching ministry, He's talking about the life of discipleship, chapter 3, verse 9, in terms of a disciple produces fruit. And then Luke 6, blessed are those, 
blessed are those who are poor. Right? And when we talked about that in Luke 6, blessed are those poor does not mean, right, blessed are those who are economically poor. Like that, that may be in range. Blessed are those who do not live according to the power of the day, who do not live according to the status symbols of the day. Blessed are those who, are, who do not play by the rule book of however your culture manipulates and manages other people. Blessed are those who are on the outside. Blessed are those who are poor, who don't build their life on the world's symbols and status of power. Blessed are you who weep, verse 21, over the pain and sin of the world, over the pain and sin in your own life. Blessed are those who weep, who see the discrepancy between their life and um, their life and their heart and the kingdom of God. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Verse 27. Blessed are those who love their enemies and do good, for the, do good to them in such a way that your enemies don't know that they're your enemies. <laughs> I mean, right? How many Facebook comments can we make to make sure that people know, don't like you? Jesus is saying, loving your enemies is the word of God. Verse 36 of chapter 6. Be merciful even as your Father in heaven is merciful. That's as direct a command as you can get. Verse 37. Live a forgiving life, not judging others in a hypocritical manner, right? This is the speck in your brother's eye, the log in your eye. Live in such a way where you are not a hypocrite about how you think about your life and the righteousness of God and those around you. You'll notice that right after he says these things in Luke 6, he then says this, for no tree bears bad fruit, for no good tree bears bad fruit, right? Figs do not gather from thorn bushes, nor are grapes plucked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. And then he goes on to say, as David McCurdy preached for us, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation in the rock. It's almost as though Jesus has the same image in mind when he says this parable. Word of God, bear fruit, uh, dig down in on the word to produce and thrive. Right? It's the law, aiming at fruit, being dug down into our lives. I think what Jesus has in mind here is basically a program for discipleship that matures with every phase of life. Right? As I think you, you hear this kind of programmatic that program like come to my program and you'll become a better Christian sort of thing. A developmental is maybe the better way to say it. A, a, a developmental understanding of discipleship. When he says, right, as they go on their way about those who have the cares of life who choke out the fruit, right, or verse 15, for in the good soil, those who hear the word hold fast with a good heart, good and honest heart, and bear fruit with patience. It's a long-term view of how we change and mature. 
I think it's fair to say that when it comes to obeying what Jesus says in Luke 6, our relationship with those commands changes as we grow and mature. This is kind of true about anything in life, right? I don't know. Um, most cars are not standard anymore, like stick cars anymore, right? I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't keep up with the cars these days. When I was learning to drive, I had my driving class, and we had it in school. I, I, I guess you don't do that. I don't know if you do that here or not. It was in class. We had a whole class. We had a, a stick um, machine. You know, it was like a video game, basically, where you learn to drive. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm really good at driving stick in this video game. Um, and as some of you are <laughs> laughing to yourself, my dad and I, we, we bought my car, we bought my uncle's old truck, flew out, got it, and I kept telling my dad, Dad, I'm going to be fine driving this stick. It's going to be just fine. And my dad was like, I don't know. It's, we get to the parking lot, and <laughs> it was, you know, you, 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 can, you have it in your mind, like just the, the, the jerking and like, the, uh, it's just not working. It's not like the video game. It's harder. And then as we, we then drove that truck across the country back to our house. So I had a lot of time to figure it out. And, uh, you know, trying to go up a ramp in, a sti- in that context, learning how to drive a stick, merging onto a highway with some, you know, it's very difficult. I figured it out. I eventually got to where I could, I could do, I felt like I graduated to the next level of uh, stick driving when I learned how to uh, the battery was dead, but you, I learned how to roll the car and then throw it in the second. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I felt like, man, I've like graduated to like the next, like somebody needs to put a star on my driver's license. This is pretty sweet. I think that's kind of like what we get with these sermon, like with Jesus, love your enemies, be merciful. Those commands. When I was a younger Christian, loving your enemies it was fairly straight. I mean, it was kind of obvious. I, my enemies were simple. Don't watch porn. Don't, you know, don't hang out with friends that are going to make you do bad stuff or get drunk with you or whatever. You know, like it was very clean and simple. I mean, it was hard, but it was fairly straightforward. Loving your enemies was, in my enemies, they, they were easy to understand. And then, you know, eventually I was like, my enemies were all those Christians who were wrong about stuff. And that was easy, too, because they're all wrong, and I'm right. Don't like them. <clears throat> I think as I've matured, my understanding of what my enemies are and what it means to love them has gotten harder. It's not as easy. It's more complicated. Who are my enemies these days? I mean, I could, tell, I could tell, say they're this or that, but my sense of who they are also begins to get at my own inability to love them. It's, it's easier when it's cut and, cut and dry. It's those people or it's that stuff. When my enemies become things that have hooks in me and they reveal things about me, loving my enemies becomes a lot more complicated and harder. My discipleship gets more difficult. Right, when you think about, I'm in a position of power. 
I've planted a church. I'm the primary staff pastor for our church. Um, my understanding of what it means to be on the inside or outside changes as I've matured. How do I live in such a way where I have a position where I have influence and um, care over other people and not begin to lord it over others? To live in an insider position as though I am poor, as Jesus commands me to be poor, that relationship becomes harder. It's not to say that I'm like eager to like lord over. I hope that you guys would experience me as somebody that loves to be uh, beside people and walk beside, beside you in Jesus. But I hope you can appreciate that the role itself is filled with temptation. So how do I then bear fruit in this role or in this command, like Jesus is saying, to be merciful again and again and again and again and again? I think that you can figure out in your own life that these commands, they get harder as you mature. They get harder. And so it becomes, the parable then begins to take on a life of, it's one thing to be compassionate when, you know, your spouse or your friend or whoever, you know, they say something that's mean or hurtful. It's like, okay, I can forgive that. But when it's been 10 years, and I'm not saying abusive stuff, I'm saying just like careless, thoughtless, or just, you know, I, I, know, the but, I know the button to push, that sort of stuff. After 10 years, to then continue to be I will be merciful as my Father in heaven is merciful. It gets harder, right? And I can choose to either dig down deep into Jesus' word and believe his way for, bearing, for loving somebody in this context, or I can be like the third soil, the cares, the pleasures, the trials of life. I can figure this out on my own terms. And I'm going to now manage this with my own anger response, my own production of how I can respond. Am I tracking? Are we tracking here? Where the third soil, right, is that, that tension of the third soil is, I think, where a lot of us live. I can either begin, I can, I can hold on and obey for the long term, or I can figure this out now and manage it. I can manage whatever life is. Okay. I think you're catching what I'm talking about. Verse 18. The call of this whole thing is that you take care then how you hear. Are you listening to Jesus' word as though you still need it today? Or do you have him kind of buttoned in the corner? That's what he's aiming after. Let me say this, and then we'll close with uh, the third point. Did you catch verse 15? I, th I thought that this startled me when I read this. As for that uh, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast with, here's the phrase, an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Have you ever heard... I, let's just be honest, right? We're in a Reformed-ish church. Reformed church, some kind. Everybody knows that if you're in a Reformed kind of church, you're a terrible person, you're a sinner, and God's sovereign. That's kind of the, the, the big picture here. 
Jesus looks at you and says, if you follow me and you're struggling to obey my word, you have an honest and good heart. I just have never heard that in the way I've, I've, I've experienced churches before. But if you are struggling to obey Jesus' word, if you're f- trying to follow him, you're, you're still figuring it out, the pieces are falling apart, but you're still kind of like, okay, Jesus, I know that I want to follow you. Jesus looks at you and says, you have an honest and good heart. I just, I don't hear that from Christians. I don't hear that when it's like, I don't know how to do this. I'm trying to figure it out. I want to follow Jesus. And he looks at us and says, honest and good heart. I mean, he is the one who can see all hearts. I think it's an encouragement that when Jesus looks at us and we're still trying to struggle with patience to obey him, he sees you and sees through all of the mess an honest and good heart. Okay. Let's just end here with a comment on Jesus himself. All right. Verse 19 to 21 His good heart holds us near. So we've talked about the four soils. We've talked about the good heart that produces good fruit. Now we want to just kind of turn and say, his good heart that holds us near. Then his mothers and brothers came to him, right? Again, this is still in the crowd context. He's explained all this. And they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Why is this here? I just think it's a strange strange place to kind of put this. Here's what I think is going on. Jesus has just said, if you hold on and you obey me and you struggle, I see your good heart. You will bear fruit for me over the long haul. And then some of us look at that and say, "Uh, I don't see the fruit. I see the fruit in them. I don't see the fruit in me. Do you have favorites? Because they seem to be producing fruit for you. I'm not. I'm still over here struggling. What gives? And the sneaking suspicion can be, maybe God has favorites. Maybe God loves them more than he loves me. And I think Luke puts this here to basically say, nobody has an inside corner with Jesus. We all have equal access to his heart and his care for us. Even Jesus' biological family didn't have a one-over on getting through and closer to him. Jesus looks at us and says, I want each one of you to be near me, to be used for me, to be shaped, to be like me. And that's just why we skipped over verses 1 to 3. That's why those names are there. Again, those names are there because they were people who were valuable to Jesus were known in the early church, and they would have been people that you could have gone and talked to them and said, hey, Mary Magdalene, what was it like having those seven demons exercised out of you? And what was Jesus like? There were people who were known that he cared for. And the point of this is to say, as you struggle in your discipleship, through every phase of life, the invitation is to ask, which soil will my heart be like? Right? The, the soil that wants to manage and figure this out on my own or a soil that is dependent and patient with God's purposes to produce fruit in your life. Whatever that looks like, the ways that you struggle, the enemies that you're called to love, the ways in which you're called to be compassionate, the ways in which it looks like to, to, 
to be shaped by Luke 6, to, be re- to revisit it over and over and over again, that's going to change over life. But the call of this passage is ultimately to depend on Jesus' word for every phase of life. Let's pray. God, as we've looked at this passage, I pray that you would help us to be people who depend on you, shaped by you, and more deeply um, experiencing your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.